so welcome to the show welcome to the show i am your host prince unity and this is the lost african podcast where we do what you know we talk about afro history afro culture financial literacy and controversy um, but all that is to get you to the point aspect of unity um, we drop the show weekly and today uh shout out to tiktok and follow me on tiktok also subscribe to the youtube channel um but it's because of tiktok that i actually want to talk about um, the afro coastal ricans so who are the afro coastal ricans what is their contributions to uh, latin america who are we as black people in costa rica how do all these things um, transpire and play about it's a multitude of things there's levels to this we're gonna get into it but what sparked my biggest interest there was a thing called uh my, my spanish is like beginner <laughs> uh i believe it's de de la de negra so it's it's a uh black costa rican festival that is actually due in august so like late august like august 31st is like august is like black history month in costa rica as a, as a whole but august 31st is like the festival so that's where you get uh de, de la negra from and to give you um background even going into the first enslaved blacks because there are two there are actually two migrations in costa rica one was the enslaved blacks who came here they say uh, from the 16th century there were first enslaved africans most of the enslaved africans at that point because of the way costa rica was set up costa rica was not um a, a big plot of land based in everywhere else in the western world so their demographics were mainly focused on um building the railroad servitude and things of that nature um they had a a kokaya plantation i believe i'm saying that right so there was a maybe some few sugar but the main product that they were doing was kokaya but um outside of that what they did bring with them was the influence of west africans and the indigenous culture and that is what develops later in the future as afro costa rican culture now when i seen all the garments all all the pretty colors and dresses i was like yo this is really you know uh carnival type of vibes and it was just a beautiful aspect of what blackness is in Latin America, more specifically what blackness is in Costa Rica. So for me, I was like, I have to talk about this. We we have to talk about this because I was just doing um, a live with a few people and we just don't know. We don't. Like for instance, as a statistic, um, the national census says 8% of Costa Ricans are Afro-descent. So half of whom live in Providence of Limon. Uh, Limon. Laman off the Caribbean coast like Laman is like pretty much the black city of Costa Rica that's where a lot of the predominantly uh, Afro-Costa Ricans live and 
to give you background on the Black History Month and De La De Negra on April 26th of actually 2018, which just isn't far back. There was a law, the law number nine ninety five twenty six, which was established as the national in the national Gutierrez declaring August month African descended people in Costa Rica. So it's the month for African descended people. The date in commemoration of the first international convention of Negroes people of the world. Um, publications de- declarations to the rights of Negro people of the world. So I feel like that that is very pertinent. Because I think um, for the blacks who live in the North, a lot of us blacks who live in North America and the United States, we perceive that this liberation of blackness, some of us, not all of us, only, you know, touch the borders of our country and our continent. And I say no. And to be honest, a lot of what we've done as as northern americans or the blacks of north america has impacted the rest of the world has influenced liberation activism uh black pride all across the world and you see it in um central america and south america and previously like i said to that um, outside of one of those laws being passed because there were two migrations in Costa Rica, there's the originally enslaved, and then there was a Jamaican influx. Now, the funny thing was when I did bigger research into like the cuisine, like what was impacted in Afro culture there. So the Creole, uh, they speak Lemonese Creole, they speak Creole, and it derives from Sinhal region, which is Central Africa, because a lot of us descend from. Africans of the West and Central Africa. Like, literally, in my bloodline, it's West and Central Africa. So you have that development of Creole. Um, they do speak Patois because of a Jamaican influx. And you have cuisine. One of the cuisines that uh, I love, of course, they have jerk chicken, and they have rice and, rice and beans, but that's just, that's red beans and rice for the black folks from the North. Um, their chicken they have sa suya kwebe so suya kwebe is basically roasted beef it's like pot roast it's like pot roast so it's roasted beef um they they have a spicy peanut rub on it uh opal coral pits probably put some uh, vegetables in there then they got curry goat curry chicken curry chicken is good curry is good But to get back to it, um, there's that influx. Then you have the influx of language. You have the influx of cuisine that was so impactful to what you now know as Costa Rican. And one of the biggest was the railroad. This is where the second influx of blacks in Costa Rica come from, which is the Jamaican side. And there actually was a legislation because I believe Jamaicans entered into Costa Rica because of uh, economical disparities in the island of Jamaica in the 18th century. In the 18th century, uh, the islands of Jamaica was having their economic turmoil and they needed to create a new life. So Jamaicans migrated or, you know, 
went to Costa Rica to help build the railroad because that was a work for hire. That's right, so a super influx of uh, Rastafari that goes into Costa Rica. And I thought that that was really, really beautiful because, of course, that that comes in, in the ideals of, of Rastafari, um, Black Liberation, Marcus Garvey, you have this big influx of Black socialism, Black activism. And then on top of that, one of the things that I wanted to speak on as part of the social order to really let you know, like, we as we as black men have a duty because of the constructs of how slavery was bought into the Western world to uplift, protect, and listen to our women. And I know it may seem hard sometimes, guys. Trust me, I get it. Your head hurt, but we have to do it. And I say that because during plantation days, the enslaved black men and black women were on separate social statuses and what I mean when I say that was that the, even though the enslaved black man was a slave in just right with his black woman for some apparent reason there was a social mobility for that man like he could marry into freedom um, he could petition his freedom get pardons for his freedom versus our women who had to maintain remain in the master's house. Our women did not have the mobility to move around and move about to gain their freedom like us as men did during this time. So when you hear me advocate to stand behind uh, your black woman uh, your Hamana it's because they don't have a lot of people They don't, as a, as a collective, they they don't have someone to have their back because they they aren't supposed to uh, push out this this masculine energy, right? They're supposed to ex- exist in their divine femininity, and we are supposed to exist in our divine divine masculinity. Now, can cohorts switch? And they need to be. Yes, they have many. Uh, warriors is women in this world and even in Costa Rica when it comes to like slave revolts but uh, we do have a duty to them and that was just I seen that when I read the article um, shout out to reposttories.com as, as a reference point from Texas Scholar Work about the social construct of what was happening for the enslaved Africans or the black people who were enslaved in Costa Rica now For me, this information was to brighten your minds about blackness exists all over the world. Blackness exists in Costa Rica, blackness exists, and we're gonna keep traveling to these places. We're gonna keep traveling to these places because I have to enlighten somebody. Black folks gotta learn about something because you need these relative stories because how will you ever see your sister or your brother who exists in another country as a sister your brother without somebody telling you the story in the first place without somebody telling you that yes there was an enslaved black man who had to go through so many turmoils to get his freedom uh there's 
discrimination in Latin America. There's colorism, there's racism in Latin America. And I learned about a political, that actually, well, there's an advocate or activist, and then there was a political uh, politician. It was Her name is Epsi Campbell. She ran for president in 2010, and she won VP. So she was the first black woman of Costa Rica, or Afro-Latin woman of Costa Rica. And then you have uh, one of her cohorts, her associates, Lauren Wilson, who teaches children about their black identity in Costa Rica. So to circle around, you have black people in Costa Rica and Latin America and Central America who are advocating for the same works that we advocate here in North America. What is your black identity? What do you know about your blackness? How do you feel? How do we progress in this society on a social level, on a political level, on a legislative level, on a economic level, for working wages? I feel like we just need to tie the knots on what that has to become when it comes to a diasporic collective. There's definitely a way to have a domino effect to uplift each other as we walk in this world because apparently we're still walking in this world in the same existence and um epsi campbell which is the vp uh of costa rica i don't know if she's the vp at this time but for uh clarification sake was the vp of costa rica she was born um from caribbean parents who migrated from jamaica and of course we have the ideas of activism and social influence from her uh, upbringing from her parents and she wanted to address social marginalizations and racism there's a lot of discrimination like I said um, with colorism she wanted to have representation for minorities especially people people who looked like her she served as a head for the center of women of African descent so there's another big presence of we black and we proud in Costa Rica there's the alliance of leaders in African descent and you actually find out that one of her one of her inspirational stories that led her into uh, activism and political work was a story about uh, Rosa Parks and I thought that that was so to me that was impactful to hear because for you to know that your people from the north impact, influence, gave motivation to uprise and better lift the same people that look like you in another part of the world, that has to speak to you. How can that not speak to you, you feel me? So I need I need you, everyone who listens to this, everyone who continues to listen to the podcast. To understand that there's so much value in learning so much information that we don't have about one another that I believe can flip the switch that we need to unify people to, to actually walk as one in the path of progression I don't mean one in an ideal I don't mean one in like we have to now create this universal black culture and we have to forget about our own individualisms but one in the goal of 
we who will be placed in this category on this social standard as black people in this world as as negroes as african descent people in this world as an african child we have to do what we need to progress each other because no one else is going to do that for us we're not no no one else is going to do that for us it's just like in your in your household when your mom tells you no one else is going to help you progress in this world but you that's how you have to look at it when you come to our collective problems no one else is going to help us progress but us in the long term now there are always going to be allies there's always going to be support but when they come to you first starting this walk you first starting this race you first starting this marathon shout out to MC hustle it is going to be nobody but us I appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast. I appreciate everybody who likes, subscribes, and shares uh, podcasts on YouTube. Thank you so much, and I will holler at y'all later.